As you guys know, there's no other sport like hockey. From the fast tempo to the fights to the highlight reel plays, and there's no better way to make it more exciting than betting on it. By understanding the details of each team and game, you can turn that knowledge into cash with mybookie.ag. Nobody gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie has the best payouts and better odds than any other sports book. I wouldn't be telling you this if they weren't the best. Hell, Terry wouldn't be putting this on his podcast if they weren't the best. You can risk a little or a lot on as many games as you want. Their daily gifts, free plays, free spins, and more. If you join now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway up to $1,000. That's right. That means... If you deposit $100, you receive an extra 50 bucks of free money to play with. Hell, if you deposit 200, you get an extra $100. Just use the promo code Terry, that's T E R R Y, to activate the offer and take advantage of this. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to this episode four of Tales with TR. Four, I think, right, Mike? Mm. Four of Tales with TR as I slurp down some of my We're Tim getting Hortons. off to a great start. Yeah. Um, uh, as always, um, uh, Happy New Year, everybody. Um, for me, it was a pretty laid back New Year. I had all these plans, and to be honest, I had maybe a couple of beer, if that. Um, I sat back and I listened to old-time radio, Mike. We talked about that before. I listened to the Mysterious Mad Scientists episode of Sam Spade. Um, I listened to the Black Museum, the door key. I like this Black Museum. It's an Orson Welles show. The more I, the more I hear about or I, I search into the Black Museum... I find out it was really popular. You, you never hear about it anymore. Although there was an episode of Black Mirror, and it was called the Black Museum, as I think an homage to this show. Um, not this show, but the, the show I was listening to. But anyhow, that was pretty much it. How did Christmas go? Not that you asked. Um, for me, it went pretty well. Uh, my daughter, Penny Lane, was pretty pumped. She's actually in the studio right now. Penny Lane, what was your favorite gift? My favorite gift was probably my hoverboard. Ah, I see. There was a surprise, by the way. Yeah, so Penny Lane is going to elaborate on some of her thoughts now in a second, but she's sitting here, so I might as well ask. Her hoverboard, I thought that would be. And when I heard about this hoverboard, I said, this is just going to be a gimmick. This is going to be silly. So, But anyway, we've got, do you know who gave you the hoverboard? My mom and my dad gave me the hoverboard. Yes, exactly. Because, uh, well, not that Santa wasn't great to you. But that one present, I said, you know what, I'm going to get this one myself. Now, that being said, she got it. It plays music. It lights up. 
It's way harder than I thought. It's actually pretty good for your balance. And uh, think, you know, I, I know they're calling it a hoverboard. It's not quite Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future. It doesn't actually, actually hover. But it certainly gives you that sensation. It's on wheels and you don't need a steering wheel or anything. It's, it's pretty, uh, I mean, most people know what I'm talking about. Some don't. But check into it. It's actually pretty fun. And uh, the only problem is that in Newfoundland at this time of year, it's pretty hard to hoverboard outside, isn't it? It's it's even with the with all the snow. It's it's in slush and and wet. <laughs> so I think we're gonna rent a gym. Pretty I've seen soon. some really cool videos of uh, kids, uh, particularly kids, but I think like some older you know adults, late teens too, using them for stick handling. So you get on it, yeah, yeah, get I've a bit of that. a longer stick, and just use the hoverboard to kind of keep your core strength up. It is actually it's great. Yeah, there's so many. Like I I was blown away. You're right. That's I mean it is a hockey show. We might as well talk about that. Um, and by the way, yes, if we haven't said it yet, I'm Terry Ryan, and that was Mike Hickey. I, I just assume that by this point you guys know that. Um, so before we get into the nitty-gritty, uh, I want to bring up one thing in the hockey world uh, before my first guest. Surprise, wink, wink. I have two guests today, and the first one is pretty interesting, and uh, she's coming up soon. But Jack Eichel. So he played 18 games. He had, he had at least one point in each, so he had a streak going, right? So the 19th game, I believe I could be off by one game, but on the 19th game, I believe he was injured and he took it off. And he, So the NHL said that the record stops there, right? And I believe he played another game afterwards and he got a point, but the streak didn't keep going. Yeah. So a lot of people were pretty upset about that. They said, you know, the NHL should get it right, protect your star players, Try to keep the streak. Try to try to keep the streak alive. It's not you know he was injured, uh, but the thing is, I completely disagree, uh, and I'll tell you why I disagree. So first of all, the record is Wayne Gretzky, fifty-one games straight, right? And and I I compare that to almost the Mickey Mantle. I believe it was Mantle. 56. Joe DiMaggio. Joe DiMaggio. You're right. How did I forget that? Joe DiMaggio, fifty-six games. So each each would be hard. I can't compare sports, but to me, to get a streak of a point. Or a hit, they're, they're similar. They're, 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 they're similar aspirations, similar kind of goals because points aren't easy to get. You don't get them every game and you don't get a hit every game. Um, I think it would be harder to be Joe DiMaggio and, and get hits just because there's only so many chances. You're Wayne Gretzky, you're playing with great players. There's times towards the end of the game, there's an empty net. Of course, there's times that a pitcher is going to give you a shitty pitch. But I just think, you know, you're getting up there four times. You could get walked every time. That's the other thing. You could get walked, right? So DiMaggio, to get a hit, in all those games, straight to, to me is one of the most. Res- it's one of the, the the records I respect most in sports, but not shortly, um, not far behind is Wayne Gretzky's fifty-one gamer. Now this is the reason, though. So people say, well, you know, it's not Jack Eichel's fault. He got hurt. He, he sat out. They should keep the record intact. But no, part of the prestige to me of a record. Is that it's not getting injured or it's playing through injury? If you looked at that, Wayne Gretzky on the 52nd game, I believe, I believe, and I'm going back now from reading his book, but it stood out so I know I'm not too far off. I believe in the 52nd game, he gave it to Charlie Huddy. Uh, I, I just remember this, and Charlie Huddy missed the empty net. And after the game, Gretz said, Well, you know, it, it was a bit of a relief, to be honest, because the record's gone on and on, and, and it, was, it started to become about the record and not about the team. And he said, You know, a few times during that, I was injured. And he was. So I think the next game, Gretzky took three or four off because he had a bad shoulder. So, 
But, I mean, he played through it. That's part of it. Um, part of it is is the, the luck of not getting hurt. That's the luster of the record. The, the record, 51 games, doesn't just say he was good enough to get a point in 51 games. It says that the longevity of the record is also what makes it so prestigious. And to be able to play that long, not get injured, not take time, that, that, that's part of it. Otherwise... Because you know, you look at both ends of the spectrum. You, you got to make, you got to put the draw the line somewhere. Otherwise, if I really wanted, if I had a fifty-game scoring streak, right, and I was coming up on Gretzky's record, and it counted if I took games off, I could say, "Well, my God, we're playing." Uh, I don't know who's who gives up the least goals in the NHL. Um, uh, Boston Ra- Rask, I think, has the yeah. like Rask and Halak okay. are a pretty solid team. Yeah. Right so now. if you had three games left in the season. And you played Boston two of those games, and or say four games left, and you played Toronto two of those games. And I know Toronto are getting a little bit better in the standings, but they let up a lot of goals. I know that. Well, you really could pick and choose, right? You could say, I'm going to take the Boston games off. I got a bad wrist anyway. And, you know, the other games, I got a more, better chance to get a point. I'm not saying it's going to come to that, but you can't open the door for it to come to that. And outside of that, it's just a more prestigious record. You know, this guy, not only could... He was taking hits. He was playing in the NHL. He was not getting suspended. Um, he was not getting injured or to the point of not being able to play. There was no other factor that came in here. And, you know, halfway along that time, I think in the 30-odd 30, 30 game, um, Gretzky had an empty net goal. and He didn't have a point till then. So there was also, you got to have some luck on your side. But to me, that all goes along with the record. Jack Eichel's record for the boss or for the Buffalo Sabres, 18 games in a row, is a lot different than Wayne Gretzky's overall 51-game streak. I know that. But I, to me, that's the reason behind it. You can't take games off in between. If you get injured, you get injured. You start at one again. Uh, so just a couple notes here. It's uh, Eichel's streak is set uh, was 17 games was what it ended at officially. <coughs> he... Uh, he is 74th on the all-time list for longest streaks, and Gretzky appears on that list 11 times. I remember he broke his own record of 30. Yeah, I so remember Gre- that. Gretzky appears on that list with 11 longer point streaks than Jack Eichel had. Oh, my God. He's on that streak. Between, wow. between 1 and 73, Gretzky shows up seven or 11 more times. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it just it says so much. And again, again before I, before I bring on my first guest... People say, well, you know, Gretzky, goalies were worse. It was a different era. I know it was, but like I said, for 20 years, I believe it was, it was only Wayne Gretzky, uh, Meryl Lemieux, or Yammer Yager towards the end won three or four, and then Lemieux won his last. There was only them who won it, so it's relative greatness. I don't get, people say, well, Gretzky had 215 points. I know that. uh, You're right, and Lemieux ended up, he had 199 one year, and he missed a couple games. But, like, when they were doing this, you know, if you round out the top 10 scores, like the 10th guy would have had like 90. Like it, it wasn't, everybody wasn't doing that. Like, so if McDavid wins the scoring again and he consistently wins in the next 10 years, most of the time, I don't care if he has 100 points, the next person has 80. It's the same relative greatness. But Gretzky was still better than people are remembering because they, they, they just cast off that era like it was nothing, like anybody could score and they couldn't. Him or Lemieux won it every single year, every year. There was no one coming towards the end. Like I said, Jagger had those, but it was coming back down to earth, right? Like, we look how great Chris Sidney Crosby is. I think he got two, right? Now, I'm not saying that Crosby's not the player those other guys are because he's better defensively. I mean, there's no doubting that. Um, 
but it was also a different era. But, you know, relative dominant scoring, I don't see anybody ever like Lemieux Gretzky or Bobby Orr. Even Richard, when he was doing that, not, he, he, Richard ended his career almost a point a game, I think. Rocket Richard. I love him, right? And I love what he did. For, and, and when he was with, but there's also asterisks for, for many reasons. I won't get into a couple, but, you know, I know he was the first with 50. But in relative dominance, he wasn't what Wayne Gretzky and Marilyn Muir were or Bobby Orr. Bobby Orr won the scoring as a defenseman. That's also something that's crazy. To me, those three players were way more dominant than anybody else when it comes to scoring. Now, you might say Howe was you know, a more all-round player. Gretzky still calls Howe the best. Maybe, maybe, but with Howe, it comes in size, strength, longevity, defensive play. He'll elbow you in the face. There's all kinds of... Howe is more, to me, um, a Mark Messier is a student of Howe. Right, and and you can argue those all, and you know, people who love the all-round game can argue them to be the best. I'm just saying, in scoring terms, it's the it's mathematics. Lemieux, Gretzky, or after that, there's people that had good years, and there's people that were like real, like Brett Hull, and you know, with those 80 goals, whatever it was, Solani. But I mean, in the middle of all that, Gretzky and Lemieux were still winning the scoring by a landslide. Uh, what were you gonna say? Oh, no, I wasn't. Okay. <laughs> mm. Anyway, I just wanted to point that out. As time goes on, I'll always defend. That's not even my era. That's the era before my era. But uh, um, I, I will. I will actually mention though. Uh, Eichel's seventeen games falls one game short of the franchise uh, record for a consecutive point streak by a saber. Gilbert Perot. Ah, nice. Gilles Perot. So senior will be happy that Perot's record didn't get beaten. And you know what? Whatever the injury was, Eichel was back the next game. Unfortunately, it's a different world, but I mean, I don't know if he wanted to play the game. It couldn't have been that bad. Um, one thing I'll, I'll mention just before we, we, we go on from this is that it's something really interesting with sports betting where they have a beat the streak thing in Major League Baseball where you can pick players game to game and try to put together a, a, a hit streak longer than Joe DiMaggio. And if you win, Yeah, I know. I you tried get, that. You yeah, can't it, do it. It's impossible to do. It's but impossible. like, be interesting to uh, have one put together for hockey trying to beat Gretzky's 51 too. That'd be hey. Maybe think, you get on that. You're a producer. I, I don't know I what think, I'm doing. And I think with uh, and I think it'd be uh, it'd be really interesting to do that with uh, with hockey because it's points, so assists could count, whatever. So I think it'd be a little bit different than just going off the pure hits the way the major league major league baseball does. I think it'd be a little bit interesting to see how that that would, would work be. Out. Yeah. Um, and well, can you imagine? Yeah, we can pick whoever and like. You know, so you could pick against a weak pitcher every time, or or if hockey, you could pick against a weak goalie. I still don't think you could do it. Though those records are insane when you think about. It. I don't care what era it was either. Gretzky, like you said, he's got whatever of the top ten or of the top. Well, so there was all those In other the players. Top ten yeah. longest point streaks. Gretzky's four of them. Yeah, right. And everybody else was playing during that time. So it just shows how again how good he was relative in relative uh, dominance to the other players. Um, I think Gretzky. You might argue Michael Jordan. There was Tiger Woods for a time. It's all relative to the sport, but like these numbers stand out. Uh, actually, you know what? And we'll talk more about that next time because I'd love to talk about other people in other sports that have done the same sort of thing. Let's not forget Serena Williams. You can go down, and there's more and more women coming out now in, in different sports than when we were growing up for sure. I mean, uh, the women's ice hockey team wasn't even a thing, I don't think, till 1990. At least in my mind, it wasn't. And now we have Hall of Famers, and I'd love to get to that next time too. But right now, I'd like to welcome my first guest. She is a member of the Mount Pearl Under-10 Soccer Metro All-Stars and also sees field time with the House League Green Tim Horton Selects. She's a member of Patricia Andrews 
Performance Arts Group. She's acted in numerous films, including Christmas Fury on the CBC and the upcoming Justin Oakley production, Fire in the Cold Season, with her dad, a former first-round National Hockey League entry draft pick. She was published in the Newfoundland Herald at six years old. She has recorded a song called Awesome at the age of six and at the, as a member of Zach Werner's Camp Hollywood. She takes piano, and her favorite musical influences include the Beatles, Ariana Grande, Avril Lavigne, Patsy Cline, ACDC, Buddy Holly, and the Spice Girls. She is a delightful daughter, a kick-ass kid, a gorgeous little girl, dazzling like her mom, Danielle, fantastic fourth grader, a super-duper student. She's fun, she's smart, and I'm not lying, ladies and gents, it's Penny Lane Ryan. Penny Lane, how the hell are you? I'm really good, thanks. Well, that's great, Penny Lane. It's uh, good to have you in the studio with us today. <laughs> you couldn't even get through her intro without mentioning you were a first-round draft <laughs> I know, that's what I love about it. And that's what she loves about it. You know that, Penny Lane? Daddy was a first-round NHL draft pick. Yes, I knew that. Because <laughs> I mentioned it 5,000 times. You can, I can't see you behind the mic, but I could hear you roll your eyes there. It was great. <laughs> Here we are with my first guest, Tales with Tierra of the New Year, Penny Lane Ryan. Uh, and what we will do, Penny Lane, we're going to start it with. She doesn't play hockey. She plays soccer, by the way, and I love team sports, and it doesn't, doesn't matter to me what sport she needs to. I, I said from day one, pick one, and, and you learn a lot about you know how to be a good person. What's your favorite part about soccer, Penny Lane? I like that it's a really good team sport, and you can get, like, it's really fun. Like, yes. you can pass, and if you have good teamwork, you can win most games. Well, that's good, and it gives you uh, goals and exercise. Um, I'm happy that, um, let's say this. I'm happy that you took to sports, not because. Thank I, you. Yeah, but it's, well, not because I wanted you to follow in my footsteps as an athlete but because I wanted you to learn, you know, to the fun parts of sports. And to me, those lie in the team game. Like, remember when we went to Cornerbrook? Yes. This summer? Yeah. I mean, all that fun we had. What yeah. are some of the things that we did? Well, we got a, like, house. I forget, a chalet. We got a and chalet. we, yeah. all of my friends were in the chalet, and we, we actually won all of our games. And we had, I went with my friend Jane to go to it, and we sang in the car, ate snacks, and it was really fun. It was a fun trip. It was fun for me, too. And we all hung out at the chalets after the games. Yeah. And we went to the Insectarium. In, in Insectarium. <laughs> That's what I it think. was. <laughs> um, and we saw... Like tell tell everybody, I guess, a little bit about that. That's out, a little bit outside of Deer Lake, and it's this museum for insects. So it, it's it has like um, you see like butterflies. Butterflies can land on you. Um, it's actually really cool. Like you can visit. Um, there's a gallery with like dinosaur bones, and then there's like when you walk in, there's like a shop, and you can buy like stuff with animal themed. <laughs> You're right. Stuff. Yeah. It was really actually interesting, and, and Daddy hadn't gone there either. And I remember thinking I'd always I'd driven by, but uh, it was really cool. We went there with your whole team because remember how much rain there was? Yeah. One of the games was rained out. Yeah. Um, now, before we move on, you recently started another sport. Do you want to tell people about that one? Volleyball? 
Yeah, I mean, I think you've only, have you been to one yet? Yeah. How was it? Um, we didn't start the thing yet, but we like did drills. We, we like, we didn't, we started throwing it above the net, but we didn't like play an actual game. But in my school, we actually play like fun games of volleyball. And I think it's, I recommend it. It's really fun. Really? I, I like that you took the volleyball. I wasn't very good at it, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, but. Um, I, I just rec- had too much time for other things, but you, you guys actually have it in your school in grade four. Yeah, right? I recommend soccer though, because it's like. One of my favorite sports. Well, actually, it is my favorite sport. When you play, when you play, um, I know with soccer, with hockey, with different things, there's sometimes there's adjustments for size and stuff. Do they? Is it like lower nets and stuff when you play volleyball? Um, I actually don't think so. I think, I mean, it's probably like shorter, but like I don't think the height is different. Uh, that's a good question, Mike. Uh, and by the way, that's something I always point out in hockey that they need to do more of. Lots of times, novice players are still playing on that full ice. You don't really need that. And, um, you know, the other sports have mini, you know, soccer is a mini field. Basketball has mini courts for you if you're small. Hockey doesn't do that. You get older and you kind of run out of room. Yeah, and, and, baseball, they, they like, you know, you, the, yeah, bases, totally. the bases start closer and they work their way back and all that kind of stuff. Most sports, you know, you, you get older and you, you run out of room and, and concussions start happening and uh, the boards are hard. Uh, and I, I think to learn, too, if you're a kid, it doesn't help anybody that in, in squirt or in novice when the fastest player has the puck 90% of the game, and that's what happens when you play full ice. Um, so moving on, Penny Lane, um, your name being Penny Lane, and she's well aware now, Mike, of where that comes from, but uh, it's a musical, even though people probably wouldn't think, they'd think we're more of an athletic family, but music is, is part of our day-to-day lives. So what are your some of, some of and, and you know, Penny Lane, I won't speak for you, you take piano and you've taken guitar. What are some of your musical influences, your favorites, I guess? My favorite, like, songs? Yeah, and your artists, whatever it um, might be. Artists and songs, I think the Beatles, because I was named after that. I like the Beatles. And what do you like about the Beatles? That, you know, they have good messages, like, oh, like all you need is love and stuff. And I think they never have a negative side of anything. That's good. They always you're, you're right. Positivity. And you know what? Um, while you're there, I'll say this, because there's a great show, and you know what I'm going to talk about. No, no, no. That's you know the show that because it's a great way for any for any parents out there that want to teach Beatles to your kids. Now I would always have it on in the background anyway, um, because I just I don't try to. Penny Lane's her own person. I would never try to push too much, many of my feelings and attitudes unless I'm pretty confident, and that's one of the things. The Beatles are a great band. I think universally well known that you could say that, and their message often was love, right? So, um, and and you know just. They were so creative, and they wrote they wrote their own songs, and they made their own cover art. Penny Lane loves to draw. I, I just think that they they blew it open, and, and if you look back, they're gonna, you know, they change the world, and, and and they transcend music. I mean, that's only part of the message. So for that reason, I always thought it was important. I mean, hence her name is Penny Lane. Um, but yes, but a way that you can get into that. Now tell them about the show that we've always watched. Um, I've watched this show since I was young. Like, not like young, young, but like... Maybe four or five, I don't know. We've been watching it. You had a good Beatles background anyway, yeah, and then the show Yeah, it's called came. Beat Bugs, where every song, they have a Beatles song in it that they use a good... Um, 
storyline to make the song fit in with the story. And I think it's really creative. Yeah, you're right. And there's three seasons. And for example, let's say, let's give them uh, an episode. Um, Let's say You Won't See Me, right? And that's a song. um, But yeah, I don't even know if it was I think a chameleon, like... Yeah, it's a chameleon. Yeah, yeah, because he, like... They're saying you won't see me, and he turns invisible. Not invisible. I mean, he blends in, camouflages, and like they're like he just sings you won't see me, and it's not just Beatles songs in it. I mean, the Beatles songs are the only songs in it, but like there's like different stuff happening in each episode. Like each yeah. episode is different. Like the Beatles might not have written you won't see me about a chameleon, but in the kids show they make it about a chameleon, so the kids will have an interest yeah and so it's like that the whole way through um what was your favorite episode episode (laughs) like you mean song or like the whole thing what was yeah your good question uh what was your favorite beat bugs episode not necessarily song episode um i like michelle yeah and you love that song too yeah so that kind of combined both yeah. I like Michelle or Drive My Car because it's I like the I like the storyline of it. I like doing Here with Penny Lane Ryan in studio, the first guests of two thousand and twenty. Penny Lane, what is your favorite Beatles song? Um, I think I like Please Mr. Postman or Drive My Car for my favorite. I see. Please Mr. Postman. Or come together, come together too. Yeah, you like coming together. You're so we, she knows an awful lot about the Beatles at this point. When Come Together, was that another great uh, Beat Bugs episode? Yeah, it was. It was like the friends were, they were all, and they're all bugs. They were all arguing. But then the one bug decides they, we can't be arguing anymore, so they want, he wants all of them to come together. <laughs> Fair enough. How well, it goes. What are some others? So to give me some other. It doesn't have to be old. I mean, we listen to we listen to pretty much everything. I just make sure to I make sure that you know who Patsy Cline is and say who did we watch yesterday at the Tim Hortons drive-thru while mm-hmm. it was who were the two artists? Remember we were watching a video? Um hit me with your best shot. Oh, oh. Um Avril Lavigne and Pat Benatar. Pat Benatar. Nice. I didn't. We're in studio, Mike. I did not give her a hint there, did I? So we're trying to, what we do every week, Penny Lane and I will add a few songs to her playlist and we'll focus on them. So this week or last week, whenever, I guess we've taken a bit of a break during Christmas, but the week before it was Pat Benatar. So I put hit me with your best shot. Love is a battlefield heartbreaker. And then we'll find on YouTube. So she has some kind of optical note. Um, we'll find maybe one song. And, and she loves Avril Lavigne, which we got into about a month and a half ago. So two yeah. of them are on YouTube on Oprah, one of the last appearances on there, that uh, doing Love is a Battlefield. And anyway, the Tim Hortons drive through yesterday being crazy was about a half hour long, so Penny Lane and, watched, and I watched uh, that on YouTube. But um, I, I recommend that too because, you know, if you were to sit down often, and a lot of kids today don't have big attention spans, I, I try to curb that for Penny Lane, but, you know, there's still phones. There's still – everybody's still on a different schedule than they were when we were growing up. Um, what, are you, what are you saying, Penny Lane? Um, does it matter some, if it's just, like, not – it's not related to this at all? 
<laughs> yeah, but you don't even know what my question was going to be. Then just say it. No. <laughs> well, now I forget. You, we, if you've got something to say, say no. it. We got you on here to talk. You're worse than senior. Um, Where was I? <laughs> um, you were talking about music. Yes, yes. I'm only kidding. Um, I'm, <laughs> I know. If you got something to say, say it, little girl. You can say whatever you want. Um, it's not related to this at all. But okay. um, when I'm old, like when I'm older, I kind of want to. I want to be an actor. Because, uh, and okay. Yeah, when you're an actor, you can like basically be anything. Like, if you want to be a doctor and an actor at the same time, you can act a doctor in a movie or something. Now, this is a decent perspective. Now, this is I'm going to give people the lowdown. Okay, here. So Penny Lane, you know, has grown up around me, and I, I've been involved in movies, whether I'm working on a set or I'm doing some background acting or I'm acting or I'm doing stunts. So a lot of what I'm doing behind the scenes is involved in film. So Penny Lane um, met everybody on set, you know, years ago, and she wanted to give it a try. So she goes to theater and she practices. So she's she's constantly acting, and she's been lucky enough to get in a few films. Uh, and Penny Lane, you want to tell people what you've been in? Uh, I think you've already said it, but I was I was in. Yeah, I have actually. Christmas Fury. Yeah. And the new Fire in a Cold Season, I don't know. Has it been released? Not you only. We, it was in the Halifax Film Festival. And, and I think one more, but it's going to come after Christmas here pretty I soon. I was in Caught. You were. Caught. So she's been in three major, I guess you could say, for the, I don't want to say major productions. But yeah, you know, we're not talking school plays. Um, but I was um, the lead. Me and my best friend Abigail well, were the lead for our school play. Mm. I'm not putting down your school plays. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying you've got like three background credits in films. So um, I guess being that and doing some theater, she's really enamored by the whole acting thing. So lately she's, we got into our first series, other than Beat Bugs or a kid's series, you know, you know I mean, you start with Teletubbies, you go to Beat Bugs, you might, you know, we went to Dora the Explorer. But the first real series that she's watched that doesn't involve cartoonish characters yeah. was Stranger Things. Really? So we just... And now, Penny Lane, you wanted to tell people what you liked about it, how long it took you to watch it. You watched it inside of about two weeks. Tell everybody about anything you want to t say about Stranger Things. Um, Stranger Things, it's, I don't really think it's my age group, but I just found it on Netflix and I decided to watch it because I heard it's like really popular. And so I watched it. The and things, you heard it was scary too. And you like, yeah, stuff. I love horror. Um, the things I like about it is that there's so much good characters. It's scary and like, it's not necessarily horror. It's more like comedy and a thrill and then a little bit of horror, but yeah, I really like it, and it's been my obsession for like two weeks. Well, you watched two all weeks. three seasons. I watched all three seasons. I I have to wait like another year for the fourth season. We all do. It's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to wait till August, I think it is. And then, but well, you know, who would be your favorite character or characters? I have two. Yeah. Three, actually. <laughs> well, if you don't say 11, I don't believe you because you're talking about getting your hair cut like 11 now. And that's <laughs> um, fine if you want to do it. Yeah. I, I have three favorite characters. I like 11, Mad Max and Will from Stranger Things. Yeah. Because 11 has telekinesis, which is a superpower, and Will gets possessed, and Max is like, goes on like, 
that's why I kind of wanted a hoverboard because Max has like a skateboard and she's like really cool, which I like all of them. Can't and, decide. Which. And does it, what about the monster? Is the monster scary? There's a few monsters, but the yeah. most famous is the Demogorgon. It's more like a human, but like it, it's a plant at the same time. Like it's not a plant, but like. It kind of looks, it kind of looks like a, fl- it has like a flowery face. Yeah, yeah. And like when, but full of teeth and scary. Um, and so what else, I guess that, that that's your first, and now she doesn't want, I told her, I said, now there's other things cause she, you know, you, you get on that down kind of, you, you get, you feel a bit down when yeah. your favorite show comes to an end, right? And Stranger Things but, might not be back till 2021. Like they're saying like it oh, might no. be like over a year before there's a new season and I'm not okay with it. Mm. Yeah. They said, See, we like it too, Penny Lane. Right? Yeah. They said August 4th or 2020. I know, but that but, might get pushed. I know. Yeah, it's it's what I'm seeing now is mid to late 2021. Uh, though there's like rumors that it might come back sooner. So I don't know. I'm trying to find out. Yeah, I hope it comes soon. <laughs> now, what is your favorite sub? Well, first of all, tell people what school you're in, what grade, and what your favorite subject is. <laughs> tell people what you just whispered me. I probably won't say that because it's actually personal information. Okay, it's personal. So, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, and good good on you for calling, my, calling found, me out on we that. We found the Ryan that won't overshare. This yeah, is great. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, how about we don't tell them what school you're in. We just tell them what grade. They know you're nine years old. People can figure it out. I'm in grade four. And what's your favorite subject or subjects? Art. Art. Now, when you say art, you know art covers... There's a, a large umbrella, so do you mean drawing, or do you mean... Drawing. Like, I love drawing. Do you? Okay. And you've written songs, and you've actually written a script. Do you want to tell people what some of the things you've written about are? Um, I wrote a few scripts. You did? Um, I don't know if they'll actually work, though, but... Well, Billy Lane, you're young. You wrote, like, I mean... and I'm not kidding, it's... You've written them. They're like over a dozen pages. Like you write, you sit there and you write a story, and you you study the way to write a script and you write it out. And you know they're they're actually pretty advanced for someone your age. Yeah, me and my friends, um, like, do, like I'm using usually the one who makes scripts, or they either make a book and I like draw the drawings, and I'm basically the illustrator for their books. But my, some of my scripts, I like, um. I didn't know, like, I didn't know what Stranger Things was, like, well, I mean, I did, but, like, I didn't watch it before this. Um, It was, like, kind of Harry Potter, but it wasn't Harry Potter. So before this, that would have been your favorite, right, Harry Potter? Or Descendants, Harry Potter or Descendants, but, yeah, um, it was, I forget what it was called, but it was, like, these kids, they had magic, and they had to go to a normal school, which no one else had magic, and they couldn't, like, stop using it because... You know, they didn't know what right or wrong was. And I guess it's the search for that during the whole episodes, right? Well, yeah. I, I don't know if we did episodes, but it's it, it definitely is. It's definitely like, I think it's a movie. Next episode. question. What is the favorite production you've acted in on stage as part of your theater? Now, you've done some major ones. Oh. um, She does it at the Arts and Culture Center, by the way, here in town. with like My I favorite. Said, Patricia Andrews. Pre- I liked two. I liked sure. when we did Harry Potter and Cats. 
Or Little Women too. Well, Little Women, the movie's coming out, and it's already got like rave reviews. It's like ninety five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And you yeah. right away we were in we were in watching something else and the preview came up and you reminded Frozen me Frozen too. Been, yeah. Yeah, and Cats is also coming out, but I didn't think I didn't hear that the reviews were as as good, good as Little Women because Little Women has really high rating and Cats I think it's under twenty. Oh wow. Cats is bad. Wow, really, Penny? Cats is You've been bad. watching Rotten Tomatoes, too. You smart little girl. Um, yeah. Not that I always, every time, agree, but if something's over 90, it's good, and if something's under 20, it's bad. That's just, <laughs> if, no one can argue that with me. There's stuff in the middle, 54% for the new Rise of the Skywalker. I will still go. I, I haven't seen it yet. I, I'm, I, I'm halfway through. I'm watching The Jedi again. Everything <clears throat> everything that was like really good in theaters right now, uh, there's a bunch of stuff I want to see. There's Black Christmas, there's Rise of the Skywalker, there's Knives Out, a bunch of great stuff. I went to see Cats with a bunch of friends who were all like, let's go see Cats because it's uh, supposed to be so bad. And we went and it's even worse than you think. It's so bad. Yeah. It's wow. so bad. So you went knowing it was going to be bad. I've I went. That. I went to a bad movie on purpose and yeah. got an even worse movie than I expected. Wow. I hit... Um that's it. Was yeah. it like the musical or was it like It's the musical, but it's it doesn't that musical does not translate well to a big movie full of CGI and just it just Wait, it's CGI? Like pretty much the whole thing. Like they motion captured everybody. Like it's all just a mess of CG. Was it's there not, uh, she's interested in that too. She, was, yeah, was there a lot of people sitting with you? Like, no. Not there was more than I expected, but no. Apparently, that movie's like is set to lose a hundred million dollars at the box office. Lose it, like it it cost more than a hundred mil. Like it it cost so much, and it made so much less that the gap is a hundred million dollars. Wow, which is wow, and and honestly, like it deserves worse. It's so bad. Oh, and Dad, I saw Netflix. You actually didn't finish Jumanji. Oh, you told me to finish Jumanji. How do you know I didn't finish it and watch it again? Because I went to watch Stranger Things and it said you... Yeah, but I probably, so we went to Jumanji. Now, I went to the latest Jumanji. So my, Jumanji. my experience with Jumanji yeah. was Robin Williams. Yeah. That they come into a neighborhood and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I missed the next Jumanji, with which the was rock, the first. Yeah, yeah. So which that is they go really good. Yeah, it was. But they, I'm just watching it now. But they went into a video game for that. Yeah. So I skipped that and I went to this next Jumanji, mm-hmm. which you, if I've ever seen a movie, now it was still good. I really laughed. But if, if I've ever seen a movie that you need to see the first one, the yeah. middle one, whatever, it's this because now they're all different characters in a video game, but they all accidentally came upon it. They're, they're, they switched identities again, so it's like. Identity switch on top of an identity switch. Oh, so it's not, they don't go into the same avatars that they were in? No. No. And it's an accident. So then all of a sudden, so like, there is humor within that if you know who the the, the development of each character in the movie before. But I had no idea what was happening. Now, it was still funny because Jack Black's Jack Black. Yeah. And I can tell he's trying to imitate somebody. And it's funny as he's doing it, but I don't know who it is. So I'm kind of trying to put it together. Anyway, she's on me to watch number one. Go ahead. Yeah. So. Um, I actually don't think you watched the first one because I went through and it only said half. So why would you watch it again? Why would I watch it again? Because as I'm sitting there and the, the, Penny Lane, we just got a kitten, as you know. Uh, I live yeah. in a tiny apartment. I have a kitten. I either sit on the couch or I'm laying in bed or, or I'm outside walking. or I'm, It's a tiny apartment. True. So that kitten 
is running around and meowing, meowing, and meowing. <laughs> and so sometimes I cannot get to sleep. So that's when I'll go out and I'll do what I got to do, whether it's research for my podcast. Or, and I know that at least six or seven hours during the week, at the very, very least, once I go to bed, I'm not going to be able to get to sleep. So I set aside that time. Now, if, if all my podcast work is done or I'm writing a, a public speech or something, if all that's done, then is when I go on Netflix. But often the cat comes up and falls asleep on my chest. And so I fall asleep then because I can finally get some shut-eye. So sometimes it'll, the movie will like finish and I didn't see the final 20 minutes. So it'll go back to the start, right? Or I'll say, oh, I can't remember that specific scene. Maybe I want to talk about it on the podcast like we are now. So I'll go back and I'll rewind it to a scene and watch it again. But where you see, it, where you see a continuation is not necessarily where I ended. It's just that I went back to maybe do some research on but that. But where did you end? Did you actually watch it all? Yeah, but I, I watched way ahead of where it is now. I know exactly where you are because I went to finish it last night. No, I'm almost at the end, so don't tell me what happens. I got about 15 minutes left. But I do now understand the latest Jumanji way more. <laughs> like, it totally makes sense to me now. And the one that I saw, you didn't go into Like Robin Williams, it wasn't going into yes, a game, wasn't no, so, it? They so came what, into a neighborhood. So what happened with the just, – just to update everybody on the Jumanji. Uh, so what happens is Robin Williams gets pulled into the game like these kids do in the video game. And he's there for like 30 years. So as yeah. a kid, he gets pulled into the game. And then it's 30 years later, he comes back as an adult out of the game. And the game takes over the neighborhood. Yes. This one shows what happens in the game. Yeah, okay. And so like, um, I think it's in the first, in, in, the, in the one with the, the first one with The Rock, Welcome to the Jungle. Um, I think in that one, Nick Jonas is yeah, kind yeah. of uh, Robin Williams. Like he's been stuck in the game yeah, for a long time. That's who he is. He's the Nick Jonas is actually Alan Parrish. That's yeah, his yeah, name. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. Right. Um, cool. Yeah. Okay. So now there's there's another one then. So and you kind of know about that. I apparently know more about Jumanji than I thought. Yeah, yeah. You certainly do. You know more than I did. But that was one of the great actually surprises of. Uh, my Christmas was the movie, and so Penny Lane and I went, yeah, and we, we love going to Topsail. And Topsail Cinemas, for anybody in St. John's, I highly recommend it. There's never anybody there. at the mo That was the most people I've ever seen in the theater, and there was probably 20 people. Um, no, I'm excluding, like, of course, Star Wars openings and stuff, it's going to be packed. But for the most part, Topsail Cinemas sometimes, sometimes, you know, there's less than 10. I, I don't know, most movies I go to there... There's less than 10 people. I don't know how it stays open. I have no idea, uh, but it does. And people say, well, you know, it used to be hot back in the day. No, I grew up across the street. <laughs> it was never that no. busy. There was certain nights it was busier than others. And, you know, like I said, if there's a major, major announcement or something, but for the most part, you can go over there and... I think it's just a matter of, like, their overhead is so low, right? Like Maybe. You know, it's it's that, that theater's been there forever. They have that space. That space isn't getting turned anything else. I imagine, like, they haven't Maybe. done any upgrades. Like, it's still got fans. There's no AC. Maybe. There's no whatever. Yeah. So I imagine that all that stuff's low enough that basically, like, it's overflow for the Cineplex at the Avalon Mall, and it's just... It's you know why you're right. It's just overflow, and, they probably, and it's just to put up... It's, it, they're basically, they basically treated it as, like, five extra screens or whatever that they would have there anyway. You know what? Right? That's and a I'm good sure point. If you, I'm sure if you look at that as a standalone operation, it's a complete lo it's a complete loser. Um and it's and it, and it's in the in the uh red, but I'm sure if you look at it and look at both I'd Cineplexes say, yeah. in St. John's slash Mount Pearl sense, yeah. as a singular entity, it's it's fine and kind I, of thing. I will yeah. say this about it. It often plays classics. Now those 
Enough people are, st- and, and that started recently. Yeah. They always play yeah, like one every six months. But now every yeah. single night, for the most part, there's something that's is not, I shouldn't say that, let's say three, four nights a week. I know, because I, I go twice a week. Um, you know, it's a wonderful life play yeah. over Christmas, you know, for, for example, right? So yeah. you might see, our Scrooge was playing. Um, now it'll yeah. go back. You might, you might see Dirty Harry or something like that this week. So those, and now when I go to those, Oddly enough, even though they're old, there are a few people in the theater. So maybe it's it's getting a, a second or, or a second wind. like chance. Well, maybe Penny Lane. Maybe you you know as well as I do. We go to a lot of movies at Topsail. Yeah, a lot yeah, of people do. never go to Topsail. Mm-hmm. Right? They, they only go to Avalon. To go to, yeah, Avalon. Yeah. I like to go to horror movies at Topsail. Um, just because I find it's such an old spooky theater that you go in and it's just. Yeah, you, you're you right. know, it's just one of those things. Like when you go to one at, um, when you go to one at, at the Avalon, it's it's so crowded. There's so many people. That it's not as atmospheric. But when you're in like a creepy old theater and there's fans going and cre- making weird shadows and there's nobody around, and then you go to the bathroom and it's dark and kind of dingy and stuff. Like the whole atmosphere of going to a horror movie at Topsail is so much more fun. You're right. And with that, you know what? Uh, Penny Lane, I'm going to bring on my first guest. Do you have anything at where my sorry, sorry, my second guest, who's Brad Lieb. I can't see him being much more interesting than you though. You've been an absolutely fantastic guest. Do you have anything else to get to mention? You know what we should mention? What? Mommy's clothing line and what's it called? Oh to, yeah, it it's called? called Penny Posh. She was she was going to name it after me, but What are you talking about? I you know what? <laughs> I, that's the only thing I had anything to do with with that was I helped your mommy name it. And we thought Penny, Posh, Alliteration. Not, mom said she was going to name it me, but there was like too much things or There something. was. There was too many other things. So we sat down. I remember, I'm not, your mom and I sat down in, in uh, Portugal Cove and we couldn't think of a name. Just like you, your name at first, and Penny Lane just seemed <laughs> to flow. So then I remember she looked, she was going to call it Penny Lane, you're right. But A, it's been taken. It's been used. It's really yeah, unique. Yeah, yeah. It's unique yeah, for yeah. a name. For your name, it's really unique still. I, I don't, I, but like for like clothes or something, t- uh, people can use it. Like Yeah, and Penny Posh is great. And uh, you know, I'm not going to take credit. Your mom has a great idea. But, uh, and you know, I'm not saying I named it. We, I remember just we talked about it and we... Uh, yeah. uh, I remember who said it. But we, we, we sat down for about an hour and that was... Uh, that was what we came up with. Uh, and it's a great uh, pr- product, though. Why don't you tell people what, what it's all about? It's actually, isn't it for, like, most of it pregnant women? Well, most of it. But the thing is, it used to be because they're like hoodies that kind of stretch with you. But you don't have to be pregnant. And if know, you weren't pregnant, you wouldn't even know. Uh, but it, it can stretch with you so it works. And it's really cool material. And yeah, uh, but she's she, also got jackets, right? Yeah, she. I like the hoodies because, you know, yeah. hoodies are hoodies. And... Yeah, they don't like, you don't put them over your head. You like zip them up, easy to take off. And it's fluffy on the inside, which makes it perfect. It's fluffy. Yeah, well, you're right. Um, and it's it's a beautiful product, so uh, yeah. we've we've often and the fluff is tried to promote it as much as we can because, you know, the one problem that I guess she lies or she faces is that we're in Newfoundland and there's only so much of a, of, you know... G- What's it called? Consumer base? Consu- yeah, I um, think. There's only so many people here that are going to buy you know, a, a woman's hoodie. There's 500,000 people in the province. That means there's about 250,000 women. If we were living in Toronto, that would be part of downtown. Yeah. Uh, right? So you got to... I'm, I'm not 
knocking where we live. It's great, but it's good to get the word out there because a lot of people need to know about the product. I've never heard a complaint. It, Penny Posh, and I think it's at designs.com. C-O-M dot com. Now, there we go. So there's that plug. Anything else you need to talk about or you want to? Um, I have an older brother. Yeah, Tyson. I want to talk about Tyson. Where does Tyson live now? He lives in St. Paul, Alberta. Playing hockey for? Uh, St. Paul Canadians. Yeah. And I also wanted to talk about my cat Oreo because it was, it was a funny story how I actually found out his name. Like, we agreed Oreo. But one funny way I actually found out, like, to name him, like, straight Oreo was I was in the kitchen one day. And then he was in, like, the pantry eating an Oreo cookie. <laughs> My goodness, is that how you came up with Oreo's name? Brother said Oreo, and then I was like, um, okay. And then I actually saw him eating an Oreo cookie in the pantry. Oh, my goodness. Well, good thing you didn't eat too many of those. Those are good <laughs> cats. Uh, and so we've got, you've got three cats, essentially, right? No. Well, you've got Oreo. You've got princess. Oreo. We just got Princess, who's th- almost three months old. No, almost four months old. Almost four months. Uh, we, and we got Blackie. Yeah. Oh, and my Billet sisters, Peyton and Finley. And they have a kitten named George. Well, they well, have a cat are named George. Billet sisters out in Alberta, Tyson's Billets, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. So you've got here in Newfoundland, you have three cats. Yes, I do. We, we've gotten all of them One at the kitten. SPCA. Uh, no. What do you mean? Princess oh, well, was from Humane Society. Humane Society, but same sort of thing. We had, we adopted a cat in need. Um, now, anyway. My favorite color is purple. <laughs> I wish you a great 2020. Thank you. And a great ride home with me after the show. <laughs> right? And yeah. We're, we're gonna, I think we're going to try to come up with a new show. We're going to try to new show. Oh. get you out of your Stranger Things Well, funk. I kind of want to still gonna, watch it again. Though, and we're going to watch what on YouTube? What's, what's our favorite artist that we watch with the big hair, the big afro? Happy Little Tree. Oh. <laughs> um, Bob Ross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, she knows Bob Ross. Okay, and for those that don't, just look him up. Look him up. Hashtag happy little tree. Okay, first part of Tales with TR in the bag. Coming at you now with our next guest. Goodbye, everybody. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Ladies and gentlemen, gives me great pleasure to welcome to the program this week, my second guest, he's played for the Red Deer Rebels, Syracuse Crunch, Vancouver Canucks, Kansas City Blades, Manitoba Moose, St. John's Maple Leafs, Toronto Maple Leafs, Toronto Marlies, Ingolstadt ERC, Nuremberg Ice Tigers, Coventry Blaze, and the 1999 Team Canada World Juniors. We're at eight points in seven games. He is a sensational scorer, reliable rebel, charismatic Canadian, a smooth skater, an awesome Albertan, a beautiful British Columbian, a wizardly winger, an honorary Newfoundlander, a fairly fabulous friend. He was so fast, there'd be smoke when he passed. Where was I going with that one? Need a world junior name? This guy had a point per game. I was in heaven in 96, 97, because a guy who, a guy who could Zoom was in the room. There's no such thing as Brad publicity. He was the best thing I've ever Brad. All you Lieb is love, 
A friend in Lieb is a friend indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my old pad and teammate, pal and teammate, Bradley Lieb. Brad, how are you? Yes, bye. That is the best introduction I've ever had in my entire life. Thank you very much. I might even put that on my voicemail if that's cool with you. (laughs) Of course. Of course it is. There you go. Libra, you never know, right? You never know. What would you expect from from your old teammate of, what, 20? Oh, my God, 21. 23 years ago. Jesus, where's my head? Holy shit, it's been that long. Amazing. But brother, you still look you, you look good and, and you certainly sound healthy and everything and we try to keep in touch. That was a very close team and we can get into there right off the bat. So a lot of my guests know that I went back and I played for the Rebels. They don't really know when. In 96, 97, I was in Montreal. I'd only played three games. I had a bit of an injury and I was new and, and, and I knew that I was going to go back to junior at some point. Tri-City were in last place. So I ended up getting traded to Red Deer. I went there. We went on a bit of a magical run, even though we didn't win it. No one really expected much. And a lot of, you know, Lieber, you were 17 then. And, uh, you know, you, uh, there was a guy, I remember Justin Mapletoft, and there was Frankie, and there was people that ended up winning the Memorial Cup. And there was also guys like you that ended up being on the World Junior Team. So in 96, 97, and I know, aren't you from Red Deer, Lieber? Yes, born and raised. Uh, so yeah. that must have been big. That's where I'll start. Like, to play for the Rebels... And, you know, to, to come from Red Deer, I mean, what was that feeling, first of all? You know, that, that was the first big hockey step for you. How did that feel? It was amazing. I thought I was the coolest kid in town. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, I, I played a few games uh, as a 15-year-old and, yeah, you just was, was fortunate enough to, to be part of my hometown. I, I remember going through the draft back in the day and, and thinking how cool it would be to move away from home and you know, go to all these exotic places like Swift Current and Moose Jaw. And, you know, I, I was, I was kind of, I, I was kind of disappointed to, to be honest. And then, you know, once you kind of understand what uh, an honor it is and, and looking back, it wouldn't change anything. And, you know, being part of that team and being part of the community and being able to stay longer at home. I now have a teenager who's moved away to a, to a hockey Academy. So, you know, it's, it's a young age for any any kid to be moving away from home, and yeah, I was fortunate to to be able to be there. And you know what's funny for me, my first experience, um, and me me being from the East Coast, my first experience out west, I didn't know guys from minor hockey. You know, it tends to be a world in the Western League Western League when you're 16 that everybody kind of knew was where someone came from, but I didn't know anybody. Yeah. And yeah. my first experience uh, with a league was with your brother. Yeah. Greg, who played for Spokane and was a hell of a player as well. So what was the, I guess, did he, I don't want to say pave the way for you, but influence you at all? 100%. I mean, just having a brother that played the game, you know, just growing up, you can you can practice and and learn to compete with each other. And 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 definitely, you know, my 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 brother's older, but but smaller. And so he's kind yeah, of my, he my little tiny. big brother and. You know, he, that coming up in an age where, you know, or at a time where you needed to be over six feet, 200 pounds or else, you know. In the Western League, Lieber. I could 100%. not believe it. I couldn't believe it. He was by far the smallest guy. And I mean, like, he wasn't only short. Like, I'm not talking in a short way. There was probably a few shorter. But he was just this little tiny skin and bone. But he was unreal. And to be that good in that league at that time with absolute, I mean, that was the roughest hockey there's ever been in junior. I mean, maybe slightly before us, it was equally as rough, maybe a bit rougher. But I mean, I often say to people, we couldn't, even, we weren't allowed to warm up together. 
It was right. And yeah, here's your brother, a, a buck 40, buck 50. Um, on a good day. On a I good mean, day. And, and you know what? And, you know, you guys had amazing rivalries, Spokane and Tri-Cities. Yeah, and, it was and awesome. I've always said that, Greg, he's been he was the smartest player that I've ever played against. You know, and, and you, you had to be if, if you wanted to play in that era as a smaller guy. You had to be smart. You had to be quick. And, you know, he definitely learned to adjust. And, you know, it'd be really interesting to see him go through uh, the NHL draft nowadays. And, you know, uh, that it is what it is. You know, he he was definitely a, a huge influence on me. And, and uh, yeah, the Western Hockey League days brings back a lot of memories. Now, yeah, no, he was a, a great hockey player. And for those reasons, you know, for being so small and so effective in an era of such physicality. Yeah. So what, and, and where did, um, where is your, your bro now? How's he doing? He is doing good. He's living down in Salt Lake City. He married a girl from down there. He's been living down there, has two boys. He's involved with uh, hockey down there. He has his own uh, uh, hockey program that he runs. He's involved with the minor hockey programs down there. So he's very much still involved in the game and, and, and sharing, you know, I, I don't even know if, if the kids down there understand how much of a valuable resource they have. He's, he's, he's a smart, he was a smart player and, and that just naturally leads into being a smart coach. So if anybody down there is listening, man, pay attention to him. That's phenomenal. Now, um, we'll talk a little bit, but you just brought up coaches and I want to go there and there's been so much, heat on coaches and you know a lot of it for good reason lately but some of it's overblown but you know there's a happy medium yeah. let's just talk about a good coach then you know because I've, I've, i don't we on this particular podcast um just because there's been so much negativity lately and i, I don't want to sugarcoat things because there certainly was back in that day yeah. there was some crazy things happened that probably shouldn't but i just want but there were also some great coaches so um you know who who was your favorite coach along the way and why well i I love that question. And, and, you know, I, I haven't been, um, up on my, I'll be honest. I haven't been up on my third man in podcast. I did catch the, I catch the the guys that I, that I know. Yeah. And early on, it was fun to, to see Colby Armstrong on there and Aaron Ashton came on, yeah. and, you know, just, you know, great to, great to hear their stories. And, and, you know, so I, I haven't caught any latest controversy if there's been any, and, you know, it's just, in my opinion, it's, it's just the way the world is going. Like there's an evolution with everything. Yes. There's an evolution with the game, like it or not. The, that's the way, you know, things are going to change. Things are going to evolve and, and same with coaching. So yeah, you, you just cannot coach the same way that you did 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And, and, and we all need to learn how to adjust and how to, you know, get the most out of your players in a different way than you know yelling and screaming and kicking and punching so you know it's just you know it's it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to be a controversy as much as it's just like you know it's the evolution of things and i think just you know naturally things are going to change and evolve well yeah go ahead no no no, i know you got what 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 i was going to say is an example of that an example of that like remember like i had bob lauks and they called him little brutus and he was known as a maniac and i remember coming back from seattle one night it's about a three-hour trip when all said and done, when you're packing and unpacking and all that. But we came back, and he, and he bag-skated us, say, at like 3 in the morning. Yeah. Now, th- today, that might be looked at as, as a way over the top. There might be someone go home and be upset. But at, at the time, 
It was just part of the culture. And like, that's what I often say to people. I'm like, there's an example. I, I wouldn't do it now if I was a coach, but at the time I wasn't really offended. Now, now it would probably be over the top, but it didn't mean Bob. He was just going within a, a, a rule book of what he saw as acceptable. And he's like, how am I going to get the best out of these kids? Now he was also there for me to phone at night. If I was having trouble at school, um, more than once, say, Terry, come over. I know what it's like to be way away from home. And you know, it's different for you being across the continent. And he was also good. He just had a, you know, I, I don't, there are stories that, are, I mean, he's, he certainly wasn't a Bill Peters, and I don't uh, get behind any form of um, bigotry at all. But I just mean, you know, he was seen as a, a, almost like a loose cannon coach. But I had a good experience with him, and I don't think he ever crossed the line. Now, some of the things he did might, but at the time, it was just part of the culture. So I guess, yeah, so I, I, you again, is there a coach along the way that you had that, you know, regardless of, you know, they had an impact on you? And it, it, it could be anybody. So Tran Samwith said Tom Rennie, and I said, you know what? What a great example. Tom Rennie was way ahead of his time. Yeah. Uh, was there anybody that you had that was influential? And even Rick Carrier for us. I liked Rick. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, had a lot of really good coaches, um, including Tom Rennie. I had him at the 99 World Juniors. Oh, um, wow. So, wow. yeah, he was, he was a huge influence especially at that time as a 19 year old kid and and he had all this international hockey experience and very knowledgeable guy and the first name that came up when you asked and you know I've, I've had this question before who's your favorite coach well the favorite coach I've ever had is Paul Maurice and Paul Maurice wow. is now you know with the Jets and I had him when he was with the Toronto Marlies he had one year down in the minors and that's the year that, that I had him with the Marlies and and he was he was top notch for me for two reasons. He was his preparation and his communication. And to me, that is the way that coaching needs to, you know, it's going to naturally evolve that way because because you're getting away from the kicking and screaming and 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 not even to make that Great bad point. or wrong. It's not to make that bad or wrong. It's like we all learn from you know the coaches we had, the coaches they had, the coaches they had. So. You know, coming back to, you know, Paul's kind of approach is, you know, he would come in and, and he would always be prepared. He would always, you know, know a lot about the other team and communicate it in a way that, you know, enrolled the team that that this is why we need to play this way. You know, this is, you know, they play this way. So we're going to counter it by using this system. Oh, that makes sense. And, you know, we all have different preferences of, of what coaches connect with with you and and he he definitely made an impact um, for me, you know, being that way. Uh, no, that's fantastic. Now, listen, I'm going to get into that because Lieber being very topical and of the moment. So mm. how was that whole experience? Did you go to the summer camp or did you play your way onto the team when in the 99 World Juniors? Cause, and, you, and you had a good tournament. I mean, over a point a game is not easy against the best players on the planet. Um, so, you know, how did that evolve? Yeah, I had, you know, things fell into place for me that year. Uh, there was a number of, I, I started off having a good season in Red Deer and, you know, I got invited. I, I, so I didn't go to the summer camp. I didn't, I wasn't involved with anything um, up until the, the Christmas time when they had a camp right before the tournament. So I got invited to that because I was having a good season. And so I, I went there and then I, I had a really good camp and, you know, Pucks were going in and was playing really well. So I, I was able to find a spot on the team. And there were, you know, a, a number of guys that actually stayed in the NHL. I can't remember names, but 
you know, there, there was, there was the opportunity to be there because, you know, there's room on the roster. So, you know, partly the way I was playing, partly the way, you know, I had a good camp and then partly because there's opportunity and, and, you know, being able to take advantage of, of that opportunity. And, and, you know, it's funny you talk about the points, like, yeah, it, it looks amazing on paper and, and actually, you know, <laughs> preparing to come and have this chat, like kind of took me down memory lane a little bit talking about stats. One, I, I noticed back in 96, 97, we actually tied points that year. I was a 17 year old and I believe you were 18 years old and we tied that year. The difference is I played like 70 games. You played like 16. We both had, 30, <laughs> we both had 35 points, but you know, yeah, we, you're we, right. We tied for points that year. And, that's funny. Uh, I, that's I noticed funny. that too. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but everything went right out. and I was in a different position, but yes, yes, yes. Thanks. Yeah, thanks put, for bringing that up. Point, point that out. But, you know, I had a game, uh, we actually played, uh, the quarterfinals was against Kazakhstan. And, and I know at the time of recording this, Canada just got through the quarterfinals against Slovakia. Um, so go Canada. And we beat the Kazakhs 12 to two. I was playing on a line with Simone Gagne and Brendan Morrow, a couple oh, of, uh, you know, top notch players, you know, NHL if hockey veterans. ended right there, if it never continued, that's an unbelievable story that would put most stories to bed in any shed in Canada. Keep going. Well, it, it was amazing because everything was just clicking. And I got six points that night against the Kazakhs. And, you know, obviously our, our line did well. And, and it was kind of neat because I got six points. That tied a record by a guy by the name of Wayne Gretzky for oh most God, points in a single game at the tournament. Okay. In two now, sentences, now, now, you just trumped, you just had two unbelievable stories and the second one trumped the first. What are you <laughs> going to tell me next? <laughs> that my teammate, Simon Gagne, got seven points that night, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! It did trump the story! Okay! Wow, Lieber! So, yeah, it's. I mean, playing on that team was, was definitely... Uh, you know, a stepping stone to getting into the pro ranks. I, I went to that team undrafted. I think me and, and, and the backup goalie were the only ones that are undrafted, but I think he wasn't even eligible at the time. I got passed with the draft twice. So, you know, it was, yes. you know, probably you hear guys talk about their junior time and, and world junior time. And it really was, you know, one of the most fun times of my entire career. That's incredible as well, Lieber, to be undrafted and to play on that team. I mean, it's such a unique experience. And then to, to do that and be like, you know, I'm sure the other people in the running for most points in a game aren't the undrafted ones. Uh, and it's still, to this day, that remains incredibly unique. And it was part of a crazy journey. So listen, so then, you know, you go back to Red Deer for one more year. Okay, now... um or I guess to finish that year. Now, how did it all happen with your pro experience? Who phoned you? When did you sign? What happened? So pro went to, after the tournament, had a, had a good tournament, still didn't get drafted after that tournament. And I, you know, was, I guess a little Incredible. surprised, but you know, I'm, 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 I'm astounded. Just playing in the tournament means you beat out people that are going to be stars. So, you know, as, you got to sign as, somebody. How do you, yeah. Yeah, as, as much as I was, you know, I, I'm a I'm a 19 year old guy at this point, and and most kids are, you know, 17 going through the draft. So, you know, I, I got a couple invites, and you know, it came down to going to the LA Kings camp or the Vancouver Canucks camp, and chose to go to Vancouver just because they were willing to 
uh, give me a spot at the main camp. The Kings wanted me to go to rookie camp. They weren't guaranteeing anything further. So like, okay, I'll go to a main camp. So I went to Vancouver. Um, things went well. I didn't really want to go back to junior as a 20-year-old. I was prepared to. And then ended up uh, signing a three-year entry-level contract and ended up in Syracuse, New York. Now, Syracuse, I've heard good, bad, and ugly. What was your – and first of all, pretty respectable as well, Libra. I mean, uh, let me see. I know you had 19 goals or, or – or, let's see here. 19 goals, 61 games, and you missed 20 games. So you can pretty much – you know, that, that's 25 to 30 on the year should you remain healthy. And even got up on, on the Canucks for two games. So, I mean, geez, it's, things are happening quickly. Even just play two in the NHL right off the hop, that's huge. How was your experience in Syracuse? I mean, it's a legendary team is why I, why I ask. It, it was it was fun. I mean, it was my being at home for junior. It was the first time moving away from home. So that was just an experience. It, um, I'm still 20 years old, so I'm not legal to go into the bars in the U.S. And, and you know, we found ways around that. And, you know, it yeah. was it was it was a great experience. We had a, a great uh, young uh, group. Uh, Harold Drukin was with us on that. We we're rookies together on that. Yeah, team. Good buddy from Newfoundland. There you go. Yeah. 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 So, you know, it was, it was good. We had Stan Smeal as our coach. Um, he was another, you know, talking about coaches, just another, um, just positive individual that really cared about his players. Like that's what I got from Stan. And, you know, he's, you know, still part of the Canucks organization now and, and, you know, kind of run into him years ago, but you know, same kind of guy. He hasn't changed. So it was, yeah, it was a great experience. Syracuse and, and, one of the cool things about uh, playing in Syracuse was the old war memorial. Yeah. Which, which was in, I remember playing there, which was, there was a scene in the the film Slapshot that was filmed there. And I think yeah, you're right. I, I, I don't want to get this wrong as much as I think it was um, somebody threw a monkey wrench and hit Jeff right in the face. I think it was that one. I think, you know, the cops come and, <laughs> And there's pandemonium. <laughs> I think that was the scene, but it was, I remember just even skating around and thinking about that movie because obviously it's a, it's a classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Uh, and, and it's just, there was some, there's Syracuse was, was an old barn, man. It was just great to play in. Yeah. Now, so you, your first three years now pro, right? You get a couple games in Vancouver, but you play 60 games, 61, then 53, then 60, and you're hovering around 20. Each one of these years, you could have gotten 25 to 30 had you play a whole season. Was it injuries or, or was it call-ups and sitting out? or You know, because you're right there, 19 goals, 18 goals, 17 yeah. goals, but you missed 20 to 30 games each year. Yeah. What happened there? Yeah, I, uh, I started to have injuries with my knee. Uh, I hurt my MCL. I can't even remember how many times, but it started in Kansas City and and continued into Manitoba the following year, and and you know that was kind of a you know it it adds to the most pivotal time of my life because after you know Kansas City Manitoba my three year deal with Vancouver was over and I was traded after that so you know 2002 um, you know if I take the story there. 2002 was such a pivotal time and you know so i'm i'm rehabbing this this knee injury and my mcl you don't typically operate on mcls and it was injured so much that it keeps it kept stretching and stretching and stretching it would heal a little bit it'd stretch out a little bit more so my my knee was really wobbly and typically you 
from what I understand, you you let it heal naturally and it wasn't healing. So I found a knee specialist in Winnipeg that was willing to do the surgery. And the team, the Canucks, didn't want me to have the surgery because you don't typically operate on it. And that's what their doctors are saying. As much as, you know, you got doctors in Vancouver and doctors in Winnipeg, I don't know how much communication they were having. But, you know, the end of the day, I wanted to have the surgery. I so kind of forced my way. It's my body. I want to do it. Had the surgery and didn't know how it was going to turn out. So, you know, the summer of 2002 was pivotal for a lot of reasons. One, my knee and I'm rehabbing and, you know, not knowing where that's going to go. Um, my girlfriend at the time told me she was pregnant. And, you know, within a three-week time, was she told me she was pregnant. Uh, my mom passed away. She had breast cancer. She was in and out of the hospital. And on the day of my mom's funeral, I was traded by the Vancouver Canucks to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, my God. What a trifecta of things in a week. The, the, the emotional pendulum uh, or just an absolute roller coaster. I mean, what? Uh, Lieber, I, A, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, B, I'm happy to hear that, that she was pregnant. You had a great – I'm assuming that's your um, – kid now that's involved in prep school or whatever yeah yeah uh Braden is uh going to the Okanagan Hockey Academy right now and uh he was actually born in St. John's so I got a now that's I I got a new baby out of the deal I was gonna say so then you come to the St. John's Maple Leafs and boy 35 snipes in the AHL here I am Brad Lee 79 games played this is what I can do with a full season 35 snipes (laughs) Right, and then the next year, twenty-four more with the Leafs. Um, I would have liked to see you get up for more than one game with Toronto, um, but you know that that must have been. I mean, Lieber, I remember being out west, and you know, being the only Newfoundlander out there, and I didn't really think about players in our dressing room playing in the AHL, even though I knew St. John's. I just never thinking about. It. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, you guys will never see St. John's. But you did, and you came over, and you were a big part of the city. I'll say that because the leaps were massive. Um, we got the Growlers here now, an East Coast League team. But when we we we, we had Toronto Sperm team, it was uh, very impressive. The, the, you know, around here, there's a lot of Leaf fans, and you carried the team for what? Well, I won't go that far, but you you know, 35 snipes and some legends on those teams, including Dave Ling, Jason McDonald, and Harold Drukin, all guests of the show, all great guys. I mean, what was that experience like playing here in St. John's? I mean, uh, you know, I think you've told me personally, but why don't you elaborate on uh, publicly a little bit? <laughs> it, it was it was amazing. I, I have nothing but good things to say about my time in St. John's. It was, um, I, I spent three seasons there and met a lot of great people. And, and it was, you know, after all that change, it, it was tough to end up on the complete opposite side of the country as far complete, away as you can no, go. Yeah, as far away, literally to the fucking minute. Exactly. To, to so it, yeah. it was it, it was a massive change, and and but it was you know the people there are are amazing. I now I, I live in Victoria now. I call Victoria home, and, and that's that's very similar. I, and, I, I think at least the optics. hundred uh, percent. It's, you know, I always say there's, there's something, there's something special about the people on the islands on, on the other, on both sides of the country. There's a certain vibe. There's a certain, you know, hospitality and not to take anything away from the rest of the Canadians, you know, and the rest of the country, but it's, there's a certain vibe with these islands. And, and I definitely got that with St. John's and, and really enjoyed my time there. 
Well, you know, not everybody gets to see it. It's very unique. A lot of people see one or the other. A lot of people don't see either. Mm. I'm guessing most Canadians probably don't get to either. They're they're both so far out there. Um, and for for uh, you know, I'm not. I'm, I'm sure like millions of people see both, but but you know, you you've lived in both, and that's mm. that. It cuts the odds down again. I mean, so you're seeing it from a you know a local's perspective. And so really, we, we do, and, and Newfoundlanders, we, we love to, we're, we're hospitable, as are the people of Victoria, but we like to hear that, and a lot of people are listening to this podcast, and they will love to hear that, Lieber, and I forgot that Braden was a Newfoundlander, and that mm. is, that's good to know, you should, you know, outside of all this, you should come back at some point, um, you know, it hasn't been that long, and, uh, you know, I'm always here. I, uh, I and, plan to. I the, you got this, so many friends here, you know, that would love to see you again. Go ahead. I, I've I've always told Braden that you know we should go back, you know, when he's eighteen, and show him the the country. And and even for me, I I haven't seen St. John's in the summertime, so like yeah. I'd like to go back and and experience that. Like my <laughs> ne- neither have any of us. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, we don't remember. I, rem- I remember shoveling snow like literally like ten feet, like throwing from the ground up high over my head to try and get to the top of the snowbank, trying to shovel my car out. And exactly. there, there's a lot of snow there. And well, you never yeah, know. I'd and this is the thing, Lieber, like out West, you have these freezing, it gets like minus 20, minus 30. We don't have that. But like when, when I say that people are like, Oh, so it doesn't snow. I'm like, no, it snows a lot. Cause it hovers around zero. So you get all yeah. kinds of precipitation off the water. Yeah. We might not like, we didn't have any snow until about a couple weeks ago. And now, uh, it's it's exactly what you're describing. It's right up. You, you can barely see the top of the uh, the stop signs, uh, and that's just the thing. But in the summer, even though you know we we get a relative amount of fog and rain, it's still summer. And if you come for a week or two, whenever it might be, there'll be great days to get out and see the whales, see the icebergs. George Love Street it. Festival's happening. And there's a lot happening in like the July August time. So yeah, we'll talk after the podcast. I'd love to get you here. And even if we. Uh, you know, getting into what you're doing now, we could set up a, a, a speech or, or maybe do some hockey school. We'll figure out a way to get you here. We've done it before uh, for the weekend to maybe get your flight paid for. Love it. Now, the, the next season. So you're Toronto Marlies for the next couple of years because the Marlies move from the St. John's to Toronto for obvious, well, I won't say obvious reasons, but it's, it's very convenient if you're Toronto Maple Leafs to have the Toronto Marlies across the street mm-hmm. as opposed to calling people up from halfway across the world. And I get that as a Newfoundlander. I loved the St. John's Maple Leafs. I loved them being here. But when the team decided to leave, I, I couldn't really argue with their decision. I thought it was smart, um, you know, from a business perspective and from a team-building perspective. They're, 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 they're scouts, they're, the owners, the coach, they can just go and watch these players on a day off. Yeah. And if they're in Newfoundland, they're isolated. It was yeah. unfortunate, but it happened. So you go up there right off the hop, Oh five, oh six. thank you, 34 more goals. Um, and I, I'm saying that because in 06, 07, then the next year, nine goals, but 34 games played. Now, was the 34 games played, was that another injury, Lieber, that you ran into? Or had it just had, had your time expired and you said, I'm going to Europe? Yeah, this, this is just memory lane. I love it. I even have to like think and remember to, what did happen that year. You know, the, the year that I that I the first year with the Marlies, that was the year that we had uh, Paul Maurice and, and I played with Johnny Pohl and Bates Battaglia. So I had great yeah. line mates. And, and even the year that I was, I was out in St. John's, um, Bobby Wren and, and, uh, Josh mm. Holden, like it's, you know, 
yeah, I remember that. You, you're, you're nothing without your line mates. And, and so I had really good line mates and, and we had a great coach and things went well the next year. Yeah. The injury bug kind of bit me again. I, I ripped a muscle in my back, um, fairly early in the season and, and just couldn't really get it to fully heal. Um, so, you know, at that point I'm getting up to, you know, later twenties, I don't want to say you're not old as much as in the game, you're older. So, you know, you start looking at different options and, and, you know, I, I could have, I think stayed in, you know, found a, found a home in the minors somewhere as much as my brother at that point had been playing over in Germany for a number of years. He played over 10 years in Germany and, and the, the opportunity to go play there and then the opportunity to eventually play on his team was, was very intriguing because growing up, he was two years ahead of me and, we never played on the same team. So, um, yeah, a little bit of injury and then, you know, kind of evaluating the options and, and choosing where you want to, where you want to take the thing. Well, a couple of things there as well. And the other thing is you had some NHL games once mm-hmm. in NHL. Trust me. I, I see it through the same window. Although, you know, my window at the time was different, but looking back, you know, I got eight games, you got five, you know, once an NX, NHLer, always an ex-NHLer, and, and you live that life, and you skate it out there. And, it, and that's something that I remember thinking the same. I was in Orlando. I had to shut it down because of injury. My ankle was real bad, but um, and that, that's what I, I, I was upset about. I wanted to go and play overseas. Like, it wasn't all NHL to me. I remember going, okay, like, I know everybody's dream is to win the Stanley Cup and to play a 1,000, or whatever it is, especially when you get drafted. But I've got NHL games, and I'm real proud of that. Now, I want to go overseas, 100%. but my ankle didn't allow that to happen. So I see it as, like, if, if, if I was you, uh, other than, you know, geez, hopefully I would have played a little bit longer and seeing players that I'd play with and against make it. But, you know, some people get lucky, some people don't. There's, there's a lot involved, and, you know, you got your NHL games. So, now before we move on, before we move on, as like I have you here, not that it's my interview, but it's my fucking show and I'm the host, <laughs> um, the fake dump goal. Did I not call my shot in 96, 97? I guess it would have been the 97 playoffs, and uh, a lot of people are talking about these fake dump sonk thing that uh, Spit and Chicklets started. Yeah. And um, it's all good. I'm not looking. Someone must yeah. have done it before me. They must have. But I remember that morning being in Swift Current and looking at the boys. I don't even know. I think you, you were on. The, I mean, we were regular players, so you must have been there. But I tried it on Mark Maglier Diddy, and it worked. Mm. We were doing three on twos. And I said, you know what? Maybe I'll try this tonight. And I sat and I took three strides from the red line to the blue line. <clears throat> and I dumped about four or five in, and I got my groove. And that night... Uh, we were playing in Swift Current, and it's on YouTube somewhere. It I is. Under this, it is. Yes, yes, it yeah. is. And twas it not? Did everybody not know after I did it? I, that I, I had can, called I my can shot? verify that story. I remember talking about it, and and then when it happened, I was just like, "Who the heck is this guy?" And you know, it, it, <laughs> it makes it even better. It's on YouTube, and you're wearing a dynamite bucket. About that bucket, well, I, was, I was the only well, player in the it. CHL to wear a Jofa. Oh my and, goodness, it looked beautiful, and and yeah, and 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 on Mark Maglier Diddy, and and you know, worked so well that uh, we traded for him in Red Deer the next year. Yeah, I know. And where is Mags right now? I don't know. Um, I'd like to know if you're out. Okay, He's in Mags. Vegas, I think. No, I see. I always put these things out on Instagram and <laughs> and uh, Facebook, whatever, and try to keep like my stories or try to. St- Keep people in the hockey world tuned into where I am. A, 
you know, I guess I'm, I'm promoting a couple of podcasts. But B, it's more for, like, I'm in Newfoundland, and when I travel, I like to see ex-teammates. Yeah. And I guess you'll get it being in Victoria, because you're at the other side, so it's not like all kinds of people. When you're in Calgary, even, and, and Edmonton, you start to be in the middle of something, especially when you're in Toronto. Everybody goes through Toronto. So I like to, you know, it's a, it's a hub. So I like to keep people tuned into where I am and once in a while you'll get an ex-teammate I mean you've done it this summer in Winnipeg Dorian Anik reached out and Western League legend um, well Mags did when I was in uh, Toronto about six months ago and he said he was coming mm-hmm. from Vegas um, he said I'd love to see you and anyway we, we didn't end up hooking up but he seemed to be doing really well he's working in some business right now yeah actually there's there's an there's an idea maybe I'll get him on the show another guy um yeah, I'd that love was... to get his thoughts on that dump in if he remembers. <laughs> well, man, yeah, <laughs> you can ask really. Him about it. Uh, yeah, we'll ask him about it. Um, but moving on, and now even going back to Red Deer Libra, I will say, what a bunch! And I, mm-hmm. I you know, I, I know you weren't um, a big fighter, and I was in other. I never got in one fight in Red Deer. I was coming off a concussion, and I remember that on that team. Uh, and I know fighting's leaving the game and everything, and for good reason. There's not as much as there used to be, although I think there's there, think there's a place, but that's another argument. But on that team, we had some heavy weights, and we had you know all kinds of people. And I never had to even keep my head up. I remember I barely got hit because we had such a tough team. And with that came some crazy characters, but but lovable and memorable. And um, you know we had a great captain. I love Jesse Wallen. I, I, I wish we could have won it for Red Deer, but we didn't. But that was a that was a fun little time, especially for me because I was finishing my junior career. You still had clearly a lot in the tank ahead, but um, you know I guess from that season, Lieber, the, the funnest thing I will take out of it. I don't know what stands out to you, but you know I, I was new coming in, and even though I'd played in the NHL, you're still kind of nervous coming into a new environment. And you know BJ Young, uh, rest in peace, uh, our good buddy. He could just snipe, and, and I knew it. And so I was just kind of going there. I knew him, and I knew uh, Aaron Asham mm-hmm. because he was drafted to Montreal. But it was just – it was just it, it, the team really got behind us. Remember Andy Nowicki, the goalie coach? Absolutely. Andy's great. And he's just a great guy. And that's what I mean, like just a positive, positive. He starts every, every time he sees you, hi, friend, Terry. Hi, friend, mm-hmm. Brad. Just over-the-top positive karma. And we had Dougie Hobson and Rick Carrier, and, and they were great, to me at least. Uh, Radar Horning, our trainer. It's just It was filled with positivity for me, and I needed that. See, I was coming off a concussion too, man. P- post-concussion syndrome, and I struggled with it for almost a year before that. So for me, it's almost like the world went Technicolor again. And I, and I, was, and you know, I, I was also fighting a lot. And all of a sudden in Red Deer, I didn't have to do it. I could just concentrate on scoring with my good buddy BJ and eventually my good buddies Brad Lieb and Mike McBain and, and, and Jesse Wallen and Mike Brown and Stephen Pete and all those guys. Um, but for me, it was magical. For you, I guess it was a stepping stone to the World Juniors. But, you know, it was a positive year, no? It, it was a great year. And, and, you know, talking about even the, the fighting aspect, like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a little bigger than my brother, but I'm not a very big guy either. And, and I went to Red Deer and started out as a 16 year old. My line mates were uh, Brent McDonald and Mike Brown. So uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I enjoyed and, and was grateful that Brownie was on my line because he liked the rough stuff and he's a big dude and can handle himself. So, you know, that, that just allowed me to just play and, and feel comfortable, That's especially actually, as a 16-year-old. 
And, and yeah. And then, you know, I, I want to acknowledge, you know, what you brought to that team. Cause like we did have a great group. We did have, you know, a lot of pieces and, and you were definitely the, the piece that kind of brought it all together. Like your, your enthusiasm and, you know, confidence and, and ability. And, you know, we, we all fed off that, you know, like, well, thanks, you know, buddy. talk about the, the, uh, the goal celebrations that, that have uh, been <laughs> well documented. I think there was even a, actually some dressing room celebrations. I remember a couple of somersaults or something going on in there too. So, you know, it was a fun time. The star of the game celebrations. That's where often Jeff Merrick is, he remembers, but that's where the, again, it sounds braggadocious, but I'm telling you, that's where the, the hot stick came from. Me and, and, and BJ were sitting there. And we go out for like the third. I mean, other people got stars. I just remember this particular evening. And so, like, we go out and like ride our stick, like uh, uh, Tiger Williams, or uh, do the fisherman. And I was like, I'm running out of stuff to do. And I, I think BJ might have mentioned, you know, put your stick down. It's on fire. So I was like, oh yeah. And I put it down. I took my gloves off and I started warming up my hands. Or that was after a star of the game. Now I pulled it off after a goal, like weeks later. But it didn't have the same effect because I had all the time I wanted out there, and I kind of it was like the Undertaker, and I was I was I was looking at the stick. And but anyway, I told Jose Theodore about that years later, and he ended up playing in Washington with Ovi, and then Ovi did it, and I've never <laughs> had confirmation, but it was pretty pretty close it's to what I, I know what it sounds like. But Jeff Merrick's on my side from Sportsnet, yeah. Hockey Central. Someone, it sounds so narcissistic for me to say that, but I'm telling you, it had to come from somewhere, and I did it with precision, uh, you know, just a few years before that. And, you know, there, there was no Instagram or any way to kind of socially, social media, there wasn't a way to promote it online or anything, but there was still word of mouth. And like I said, Jose Theodore was a common denominator. But well, as so I then, go, then as maybe, I go. Maybe that's another, that's a great reason to have Ovi on and ask him about it. Well, I'd love to have There's Ovi on if that's possible. Suggestion. There's another guest suggestion. Yeah, maybe so. From Brad Lieb to Ovi to Penny Lane Ryan. Yeah, that'll work. Yeah. Um, Lieber, so before, before, because, I mean, I figured we'd go a half hour. We've already gone 43 minutes uh, or longer. We've gone longer. So tell us about what you're doing now and, you know, how did playing hockey feed into that and how did your journey in hockey, you know, make up the person that is Brad Lieb now um, you know, going through a second phase, as is Terry Ryan, of course. Uh, but tell me how what you're doing now is related and, you know, tell us all about it. Yeah, thank you. I, I am into personal coaching and personal development. I've always been a fan of, of mindset and mental strength, even going through, through hockey. Like you, I remember being in Red Deer and we had this, uh, this guy come in and to talk to us about mental, mental strength and, and he, the one thing that I took away from it is like, if you are consistent, you have a chance. And I just remember thinking to myself, that blew my mind. Like, wow, if I'm just more consistent and I show up every single day, then I at least have a chance. I know I can do that. I know I can commit to that. So it's, it was kind of little things like that, that, uh, you know, started to build in me throughout my career and, and visualization and all these things that you hear about and, and I was 17. I begged my mom to get the the Anthony Robbins back when he was known as Anthony uh, Personal yeah. Power 2 CD set. And she finally gave in. I remember doing the whole thing. So that's been kind of my background. And then 
I'll fast forward it a little bit to 2002, take it back there when I was going through the knee surgery. And then, you know, 23 years old, girlfriend tells me I'm pregnant, which is my son that was born in St. John's. Um, you know, then my mom passed away, traded on the day of her funeral. 23 years old, I didn't know how to handle that. Like, I, I was an adult. Yeah, you're an adult. Yeah, you're in your 20s. And I didn't know what to do with that. So I really, um, looking back on it, I can really see how I, I really suppressed, I really ignored, I really escaped from my my feelings, my emotions, and, and just anything through alcohol. And, you know, not, and, you know, I, I know St. John's is a drinking culture, and I know there's drinking within um, hockey, and I'm not making that bad or wrong as much as I'm saying that I didn't know how to navigate through it. I didn't know how to um, maturely, um, you know, process what I was going through. So I, I really, I really escaped. And so kind of dealt with that through throughout my career. And, and then after retiring in 2013, I, I experienced another whole bunch of changes in my life, career change and, you know, transitioning from professional hockey to life after hockey really is, is no joke. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's an adjustment. At least I found that it's, you know, you're, you're really adjusting, you know, finding yourself, finding your identity and just, you know, finding out what about yourself and what you, what you like to do, what you love to do and comparing everything to hockey. And so that was a little bit of a journey and dealing with small children. And then my dad passed away in 2016. So good Lord Lieber. So, throughout and that was actually you know what shout out here for devin frank on that's the year um red deer was hosting the memorial cup and my dad was in the hospital during that time and i was kind of the the alumni kind of guy that was helping to get everybody into town and and you know my dad i remember that that you got me into town for god's sakes yeah yeah yeah. you're the one that yeah you set that up and then i didn't see out there no wonder now i do remember kind of fate i didn't mean to cut you off just yeah it's free, yeah, because that that weighed heavy on my mind for a bit. Frankie ended up staying with him anyway. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. Frankie really stepped up and helped me out, and I just I wasn't in a place to deal with it all. And and so you know, this just brought up a whole bunch of other stuff, and and that leads into what I'm doing. That you know, I noticed all these different changes that I was going through. I noticed, you know, that okay, well, how do I deal with this? Like, what what do I change is going to happen. Change is inevitable. And, and how am I going to navigate through this in a more optimal way? So I started going back to, you know, the personal development piece and, and the, the company that I was working with at the time, I, I, I got a life coaching certification um, while I was working with this company and I did uh, the landmark forum, if, if anybody's familiar with that. So had my own personal coaches, had my own kind of business coach, my own personal coach, my own spiritual coach. So these kinds of things really led to understanding, you know, the the differences between, you know, how to optimally navigate something and, and how not to. So my what, what I'd love to invite people to and even you, uh, TR, if you're into it, of course I'm, I am on on January 6th, I'm going to launch a program. It's going to be a monthly uh, group and it's called the hockey stick club and the hockey stick because it's represents growth. And there's a guy by the name of Bobby Martin. He talks about the stages of the hockey stick growth, but it's, it has to do with revenue within a startup business. My, my inquiry is what are 
you know, the, the different stages of the hockey stick, the heel of the hockey stick is called the inflection point where the huge change goes, growth revenue. So what are the inflection points of personal growth? So what are the things in hockey, in life, in business for you personally that are going to create those shifts to create what you want to be? You can, yeah, you can continue on doing what you do and you're going to, you know, nothing wrong with, you know, being comfortable. But if you want to excel, if you want to have massive growth, significant change, there's certain things that you need to do to shift that. So this has been my whole thing, and I'm, I'm creating this group starting on January 6th. Um, it's for guys only because I think men need um, some empowered, conscious support, and that's what that is. And it's going to be, you know, part of part learning, part uh, Zoom calls, part guest speakers, and we're going to create this thing and, and evolve it and support each other in, in that way. And and it's modeled around the hockey stick and hockey stick growth, and it's called the Hockey Stick Club. Libra, that actually sounds very uh, inspirational, and uh, I'm proud of you. That's uh, it doesn't surprise me one bit. Exactly, when you brought it up. You, I remember you always being like that. You, I could always look at you for a motivational quote. Uh, you were positive. That that's the way you led. I don't know even know if you're aware of that, but you always had a, a logical, positive kind of approach to things. And it seemed like you were always trying to improve yourself. Um, and if I'll say anything about the on ice game, when you when you said about Brent McDonald and, and Mike Brown, you know that's a decent fit because I saw you as a pure scorer. You were a snipe show, like you were, you were like Donald McLean, like 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 BJ, like you know. If, if, if there's certain, so many people, I can just give it to anywhere around the net, like Michael Ryder, and it's dangerous. It's it's a dangerous, and that was you. So if you put you with a with a tough player. And with a decent score or a passer, um, you know, that's the on-ice stuff. I, th- I think you would you would excel a lot. Hence, you know, you're talking about Josh Holden and, the, and the Bob Wren and them. Um, but off the ice is another thing, right? And, and a lot of people don't realize that to be on, you see these guys on the ice, there's, there's a whole mental battle going on. Like, you know, you, you got to, early on, you got to have the right billets, uh, I guess not for you, but for most. Uh, you know, you, you've, you've got to treat your body right. You know, you, you've got to not be in love with a girl that you don't want to move, leave home. You, you, you can't get on the booze. You know, you can't be a drug guy. You can't, there's so, or girl now, um, but there's so much more that goes into it. But you always, always had peace of mind off the ice and you faced adversity and challenges like everybody else. I'm not saying you didn't get down, but you seem to have some kind of agenda to deal with it. And now, I guess... This is all coming to fruition. So um, I'm proud of you. Congrats on that. I'll definitely join. How do we promote it? Uh, and, and is there a website we can go to? Well, if you go to bradley.com, you can find it there. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned even leadership. I think, you know, for for all of us, like we we need to learn to lead yourself before you can lead others. And and my 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 kind of view on leadership, especially in the hockey dressing room is I want to lead by example. I'm not going to be a raw, raw guy, but I want to lead by example. So, you know, even all this personal development piece, the kind of the last story that I'd I'd love to share is, you know, I'm what I, what I learned after my dad passed away is, you know, kind of questioning my life and how I'm living and started to look at my own personal integrity. And that's something we can all look at. Where are you? And we're always out of integrity at some, at some place in our life. It's, Look at your life. If you're out of integrity with your business, with your family, with your finances, with your health, 
you know, you say you want to lose weight, but you're not going to the gym. You say, you know, you want to eat healthy, but you're going to the fast food place. You know, you say you want to have an honest relationship, but, but you're, you're telling lies. And that's exactly where I was, uh, back, back in, uh, 2015, um, I came clean with some infidelities that I've had with my wife during, during our, during our marriage. So my integrity is, okay, I'm out of integrity in my relationship and I'm out of integrity with my kids. How am I going to tell them to tell the truth if, if I'm holding these deep, dark secrets, which are eating me up inside, which is a whole other, you know, yeah. conversation of just releasing that negative energy within your body. And so I started to look at my own integrity and leading myself. Well, I need to lead myself before I can lead others. So you know, leadership is a big part of it. I want to continue to lead myself. I want to continue to try and, and lead others another way, you know, just <laughs> jumping all over here in the story, but just the different pieces that, that I want people to get is like even, you know, understanding why you're out of integrity and then fixing and cleaning up what you need to fix. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable talking about having infidelities with my wife. We're separated. I'm going through that. That's another major change that I had. And, you know, I'm, I'm just, that's my truth. I'm owning that. And, and, uh, you know, just to, um, stand in that truth and to clean it up. And for me, I understood that all my problems came from when I was drinking. So I took a look at that. I haven't drank in over two and a half years and, you know, that's been my journey. It's different for everybody. Check in with you know, your inner self, your inner spirit, you know, you know where you're out of integrity, you know what you need to do, you know, you know, the, the conversation that you, that you need to have or the thing you need to do. So that's me leading myself. That's what I want to empower and evoke through other, um, with other guys, with other men, with other dudes and create a real cool space that we can grow and create success. Listen, I think it's an unbelievably courageous step that you took. And a lot of people who live in glass houses, um, maybe don't do that. And, and there's, it's a world now where a, a lot of negative voices kind of rise up to the top. What you did, I guess, is, is nothing to be proud of initially uh, with the infidelity. Um, but I think we're all flawed a little bit. And if everybody took that step, like you said, of uh, you know, grabbing the integrity and owning certain things that are inside bothering you and, and, and releasing that negative energy, and uh, it's, it means different things for different people, and there's different triggers for different people. But I think it's unbelievably courageous. It doesn't surprise me one bit that that's the, the way you're going because you've always been trying to, I don't want to say find your inner self, but you've been looking to improve. Um, you know, you, you, you've been looking to improve yourself mentally and physically. Lieber, it's been unbelievable having you on. I'm proud of you, and let me know how I can be involved, and I certainly will. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Um, you guys are doing great. Uh, it's, it's been fun to watch you guys climb up the, the iTunes rankings. And, <laughs> you know, I'm looking forward to what you guys are going to bring this year. Thanks a lot, buddy. Stay in touch. All right. I will. Thanks a lot for having me. Take care. No problem. See ya. The puck rolls to the net and the gloves are off. Brad Lieb drops the gloves along the boards with Steve Gertzen in the Syracuse zone. Okay, folks, there you go. Guest one, Penny Lane Ryan. A lot of interesting things to say. Um, guest two, and and uh, certainly one of our best guests yet. Thank you very much, Penny Lane. Uh, guest two, Brad Lee, my old buddy, ex-Team Canada, 
ex-NHLer uh, and an absolutely great person that's uh, certainly, I won't say turning his own life around, but finding much positive change that's making him uh, a more positive person. Uh, and definitely, uh, you know, the, you'd want to pay attention to Brad because I've always said he's an unbelievably inspirational leader and teammate. And only good things can happen uh, with conversations with Brad Lieb, as we, uh, in my mind anyway, as we just saw. Uh, I was going to get to a few more things, but uh, our guests were so good that I didn't get to get to them. We will next week on Tales with TR. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, and I, I should say, also pay attention for the upcoming Third Man In. Uh, we're about to record. And... Um, That's it. Happy New Year. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to my guests, and we'll see you next week.